Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me today on this podcast. If you're new, welcome. One of the things I like to say about the Bible and Life podcast is my goal here is to give blue jeans theology. That is theology for everyday life, theology in everyday dress, theology that will connect with where we live and help us follow Jesus better. So, so thanks for joining me on the podcast. I am so glad you're here. You know, one of the things I was thinking about this morning is this is the last week of February. I'm like, man, it feels like we just had Christmas. We're already two months into the new year. Crazy. The weather was actually nice yesterday afternoon where I lived and my wife and I and my daughter took the two granddaughters to the zoo. And man, what a special experience that was. So much fun just to hang out at the zoo with the little girls and uh, enjoy the sunshine a little bit and just crazy to me that we're already thinking about spring and beginning to get excited to be doing more outdoor stuff. Before we jump into the topic of today, something I'm super excited about, but before we jump into that, I wanted to give just a little announcement, particularly to those of you who are pastors and church leaders. I have talked to a handful of pastors over the last handful of weeks, many of whom have said similar things to me, particularly when it comes to their discipleship process. Like, I'm just so busy just trying to you know, do the tasks of ministry and sermons I got to write and staff I got to lead and volunteers I got to train and recruit and meetings I got to lead. And ah, I've just got so much going on and Sundays come so consistently that I know I should be focusing more on making disciples and how well we're doing at making disciples. And I'm just barely keeping up and I feel like I'm stumbling my way forward on that. If that's you, if you're a pastor, church leader, and you feel that way, then I would love to talk with you. I am just beginning to launch in March a new program for churches where I'm offering myself to help uh, really provide coaching and guidance in creating a discipleship culture in your church to help you learn the beliefs and values and practices that will help your church become a greenhouse for growing mature disciples. How does someone go from uh, unbeliever to new believer to growing believer to mature believer? What what are the values? What are the practices? What are the strategies and the resources as a church that will help you do that? And how could I come alongside and help? And so I would love to chat with you. Um, feel free to email me um, at john at johnwhitaker.net. Just say, man, I'd love to talk to you about that if that is you because I I would love to help you go further, faster in your disciple-making process as a church. So just wanted to throw that out there as a, as a thing I'm beginning to offer to churches, really because of feedback from churches that have been using some of my courses or some others. Just This would be super helpful to us, and if it sounds like it would be helpful to you, I'd love to talk to you as well. All right, on the podcast of late, we have been really letting Jesus teach us how to have a life of prayer. Jesus himself being a man of prayer, he has, uh, as our master and our guide and our rabbi, he has an awful lot to teach us about prayer. And so we want Jesus to, to draw us into a life of prayer like his life of prayer. And so we've been looking at that, primarily looking at the Lord's Prayer and just using that really as kind of a springboard into Jesus' teaching about prayer as he forms us as people of prayer. And in today's episode, we are going to look at a, an aspect of prayer that is absolutely crucial to us growing into the kind of human beings God made us to be, that we deep down in our heart want to be. The reality is, if you're like me, I'm guessing you have 
You've done things that you're ashamed of, right? You've done things that you regret. You maybe have things in your past, maybe even in your present, that you you really hope no one ever finds out about. What do we do with those kinds of things? Like, how do we respond to those kinds of things? And sometimes as human beings, the way we respond to those, those things that we're ashamed of, those things we don't want anyone to know about, sometimes we, we hide those things, right? We just bury them, hide them. We close them behind locked doors. We hope no one ever pries into them. We hope no one ever finds out about them. When people do find out about them, sometimes we respond by rationalizing it. Well, you know, and we have some excuse or we have some explanation or we minimize it. Well, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal and no one really got hurt and we minimize it. Sometimes we blame, we blame other people. Well, if so-and-so hadn't done such and such then, or we blame our circumstances or we blame our upbringing and we kind of try to offload that so we don't feel the weight of that. And, and so oftentimes we have these responses to those kinds of things that really are less than helpful to us becoming the kind of people Jesus calls us to be, God made us to be, and really deep down in our heart we want to be. So what should we do with those kinds of things? Well, the aspect of prayer we're going to look at today helps us understand how Jesus wants us to approach those things. This this challenge of those things that we're ashamed of is even more difficult when we think about it in relationship to an all-holy God and an all-knowing God who knows all our deepest, darkest secrets, who sees everything we do, and who is perfectly pure, perfectly holy. How do we respond to him? And again, we could respond the exact same way we do to other people when they find out. We could minimize, we could blame, we could you know, rationalize, or we could follow Jesus. And we could follow Jesus' advice for us, his instructions for us, here in this line from the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, as Jesus continues giving us this pattern of prayer, Jesus says we should pray this way. He says, and in prayer to God, and our Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so what we see here in this simple little line is that a life of prayer involves humility and confession. A life of prayer involves humility and confession. Jesus, in fact, teaches more about this in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable. If you're not familiar with parables, parables are, are simply a story to either shed light on some truth or in some way, sometimes Jesus even uses it to conceal a truth. People have to seek it out and figure it out. Well, Jesus tells a parable in Luke 18 about humility and confession in prayer. This is what it, it says. Luke 18, beginning in verse 9, says, And he told, the, told this parable, Jesus told this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were right righteous, and viewed others with contempt. Look down on others. Here's the parable, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And so as Jesus tells the story, the Pharisees were kind of the popular, popular religious leaders of the day. Uh, they were uh, really deeply in pursuit of holiness. They tried to live their life with the same 
uh, holiness and ritual cleanness that was required of a priest in the temple. And so they really pursued a holy life. And, and as a result, they often did look down on others. So you have the Pharisee and you have the tax collector in this parable. The tax collector represents those sort of at the bottom of the religious spectrum, right? Like those that are like they're traitors, they're evil, they, they're sinful, they're working in league with the Romans. And so those are our two characters, Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying in this way to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay of all, I pay tithes of everything that I get. So he prays, really confessing, if you will, his goodness, his righteousness, his holiness, his superiority. The tax collector, on the other hand, prayed differently. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was uh, even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. Didn't even want to look up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the Pharisee, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so the contrast between the two, one confesses his virtues, the other uh, beats his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A life of prayer involves humility and confession. Now, a very important clarification about this. When we look at this parable, we see this tax collector. We need to make sure we, we understand what we're talking about when we're praying for forgiveness, when we're confessing our sins, when we're asking for God to be merciful to us. This is not, get this, this is really important. Um, this is not self-loathing. This kind of confession, this kind of humility in Jesus' teaching is not self-loathing as if we're so so awful, so terrible, so worthless. It's not self-loathing. It's not beating ourselves up as if we're just terrible, awful people. It's not even being plagued by feelings of worthlessness. There's a difference between worthlessness and unworthiness. Those aren't the same thing. And so this isn't being plagued by feelings of worthlessness. In fact, if we understand Jesus' teaching, we understand the entire New Testament teaching, then we know that grace, God's grace, makes it safe for us to be a work in progress, to not be perfect, to have shortcomings and to have failures. It's safe for us in the presence of God. It's safe because God is a gracious person. And so grace makes it safe to be a work in progress. We're safe and secure in our relationship with God because of God's faithful love and because of what Jesus has done, not because of how well we've done. Okay, we stand in grace. Romans chapter five, verses one and two, a really important text on this. Romans five, one and two says, therefore, having been justified by faith, having been put into a right relationship with God, not because of our performance, but by our faith, by our trust in him, we notice this, we have peace with God. Not we should have, not someday we will have. We have peace with God. As an as accomplished fact, already, we already are in a relationship of peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace 
in which we stand. Notice that we stand in grace. The sphere, the realm, the room, the space we're living in, the environment we go about our, our life in is an environment of grace, of, of God's favor on us, God's kindness towards us. And so we, we exist, we go about our life if we're in Christ in a state of peace and grace with God. Um, and so as those who are in Christ, we have this secure, safe relationship with God. We have peace with him, and we stand in grace uh, before God. And so we're safe and secure in our relationship with God. And because of that, we can be completely honest with him. We can confess our weaknesses. We can confess our shortcomings. We can confess our failure, failures without fear of rejection without fear of reprisal, without fear of God shaming us and shaking his head and disgusted us, right? Like, we have peace with God. We stand in grace. God looks on us with favor and kindness. And therefore, we can be completely vulnerable, completely open, completely honest with God. And so, because of that, we pray, Father, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. And debts here in this line is really a very biblical way of describing sin. It's a very common way the Bible pictures sin. And forgiveness is often pictured as canceling a debt, releasing someone from a debt. So just imagine that picture. You have a debt. Uh, perhaps it's your mortgage. Perhaps it's a car payment. Perhaps, I don't know, you have some, maybe it's your student loans. You have some big, massive debt that is just weighing on you, and you're slowly chipping away at it. But man, it is so huge that it's overwhelming, and it's going to take you forever to pay it off. You have that kind of debt. And then the one to whom you owe the debt, the mortgage company, the lending company, right, the student loan people, uh, those who you owe the money to, all of a sudden they just decide, hey, you know what, cancel on the debt. I am tearing up the invoice. I am done with it. It is paid off. Your debt is gone. You are released from having to pay off this debt. Can you imagine that picture? Can you imagine how you would feel? Well, that's the imagery here of this idea of forgiveness in this line. Forgive us our debts. We owe God a debt because of our wrongdoing, because of our sin, because we're his creations. And he created us for this, this massive responsibility of loving and caring and overseeing this world in partnership with him on his behalf for his purposes and for his glories. And we fail to do that. So we owe him. We're indebted to him. And we're, we, we can't possibly ever pay it back. And God cancels the invoice. God cancels the debt. He forgives the debt. He doesn't make you pay it back. That's what you're asking for when you pray this line. You're asking God to cancel the debt, to release you from having to pay off the debt. Forgive us our debts. Now, why would God do that? Why would God do that? Well, God did that. I guess there's a couple of different ways you could actually answer that. God did that, motivated to do that, because of his great love for us. Like, because God loves this world, loves you and every person in this world, God therefore wanted 
to free people from the overwhelm of having to pay off a debt that they ultimately could never pay off. And so in his great love, he, he said, I will cancel the debt. But then the debt still needed to be paid. Somehow, somebody had to absorb the cost, right? Like whenever someone cancels a debt, it costs somebody something. If your mortgage company cancels your debt, they absorb the cost of never getting their money for the house, right? If, you're, if the student loan people cancel the debt, they absorb the loss. They, they pay the price. Well, that's what God did. He did it in the person of Jesus. God absorbs the cost, pays the cost of your debt so that he could cancel it and let you go free. And thus, when we, when we pray, forgive us our debts, we have this great confidence that our debts are taken care of and we don't have to worry about it. In fact, the Apostle John in his first letter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, says this, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you hear that? That if we confess our sins, then we can count on it that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from those things. And so a life of prayer involves humility and confession. A life of prayer just practices this kind of humility before God where we're open, we're honest, we're frank, we're vulnerable, we don't minimize, we don't rationalize, we don't blame, we just come clean and we set it before God and God forgives us because of his great love for us and because Jesus absorbed the cost of that debt on our behalf. And so we have complete confidence that our sins will be taken care of. All right, and so that's the first lesson of this little line that Jesus gives us about a life of prayer, that it involves humility and confession, and we can be open and vulnerable before God about that. But what about the second half of that line? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven others. How does that fit in there? Well, in short, we don't have tons of time here in this episode to deal with it, but in short, here's what we need to recognize is that grace begets grace. Receiving forgiveness leads to giving forgiveness. That just, that's just the way it works. Like receiving grace from God leads to giving grace to others. Receiving forgiveness from God leads to giving forgiveness to others. This kind of humility, this kind of honesty, this kind of open confessional relationship before God leads to graciousness with other people. And when that graciousness towards others is missing, when it's absent, it indicates that something is wrong in our relationship with God. It indicates that something's amiss in our relationship with God. That's why in Jesus' teaching, forgiveness from God is always connected, always connected to forgiving other people. And so as we grow in our life of prayer, one of the things that happens is, we become quicker forgivers. Did you catch that? When we grow in a life of prayer, really living out the kind of prayer life that Jesus is modeling for us here in the Lord's Prayer, as we grow in that life of prayer, we become quicker forgivers. And the reason for that is we're growing in our own recognition of our need for grace and forgiveness, and we're asking God for it, and we're thanking God for it, and that makes us more humble and more gracious, even in our relationship to other people. All right, and so 
Uh, Grace begets grace, and so we pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven others. And we live before God with humility and honesty and confession, knowing that God is faithful and good and loving, and he will forgive us our debts, knowing that he's willing to absorb the cost because he's already done that in Jesus. So let me just offer really a couple spiritual practices that will help us grow spiritually, help us grow in a life of prayer, help us really become the kind of human beings God made us to be and we want to be. And that that these two practices basically boil down to this, practice confession, practice confession, okay? But let me give two ways we can do that. One is this, when you become aware of sin in your life, immediately confess it. Don't wait. Don't belabor it. Just when you be, when God convicts you or all of a sudden just pops into your mind, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Um, don't minimize it. Don't rationalize it. Don't blame others. Right? Just confess it. Be honest before God. God, forgive me for whatever it was. Forgive me for getting so angry at my kid. God, forgive me for losing my patience with my spouse. God, forgive me for gossiping about. God, forgive me for whatever it is. Just immediately confess it. Uh, God, confess when we become aware of it. Okay, That'll help us really grow in this life of prayer and this humility. The second way of practicing confession, I would say, is, is practice prayers of examine. Let me clarify that. Practice prayers of examine. That phrase, you know, like prayers of examine and all that, like um, a Catholic spiritual writer by the name of Ignatius, he kind of made that popular. A new number of writers since have talked about that. What I mean by that is where we just uh, examine our own soul, our own heart, uh, our own mind. Let me give you a concrete uh, example of that. For a while, I practiced prayers of examine this way. I had a series of about, oh, 10, 11 questions that I would ask myself and just prayerfully consider as part of my pre-bed routine, before I, as I was getting ready for bed at night, one of the last things I would do is I would take 10 minutes or so and I would just prayerfully pray through these questions about my day. God, was, was I impatient with anyone today? Did I uh, show acts of love when the opportunity arose in my relationships today? These kinds of questions. Was I, uh, was I faithful to prayer today? I had just a handful of questions like that, and I would prayerfully pray through those questions, examining my own soul. And in any areas where I realized I fell short for that particular day, I would just immediately acknowledge that, confess that, ask God to be merciful to me about that. Thanks for his grace. Thanks for his forgiveness and confess that to him. And it was a very, it was just a way to keep really a short record of wrong, right? Like here I am, God, being vulnerable, humble, honest before you. Is there anything I did wrong today? If so, let me clear the air and confess that. Now, as we practice confession, you need to do this with a big view of God's grace and steadfast love for you. This could become really kind of myopic and self-focused, and it could turn into self-loathing, and it could lead to feelings of worthlessness if we don't have a big view, a huge view of God's steadfast love and grace as demonstrated for us in Jesus. So we practice confession 
knowing that we stand in grace, as we saw in Romans 5.1. We practice confession, knowing that we have peace with God, and we stand in grace, and God looks on us with kindness and favor. And so we don't have to wallow in self-pity. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We just acknowledge it, come clean, we're honest about it, and we have confidence that God will forgive us, as 1 John 1.9 says. And as we do that, um, we become more aware of who we have been, who we are, areas we need to grow, areas we need to change. God then helps us grow and change in those areas, and we become more gracious with other people because we know we need grace, and we want to give grace to others. And that helps us really grow into becoming the kind of people that God has made us and called us to be. All right, and so in a nutshell, the main thing, the main point out of uh, today's podcast is this, that uh, Living a life of prayer involves humility and confession. And so may we practice that as in our relationship with God as we grow in a life of prayer. Hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I'm grateful to those of you who are patrons of the Bible and Life podcast over on my Patreon page. Your support makes this podcast and this whole online teaching ministry possible. So thanks a ton. Grateful to those of you who donate through the donate button on my website, which goes to World Family Mission. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your faithful, uh, generous prayers for this ministry. Um, May God bless you as you seek Him, as you serve Him, and as you walk with Him. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. We will talk again next week.